Beep, beep. Welcome to the AJ Podcast. hated it i hated having a mortgage i bought a flat um which was affordable on one salary in those days it's not really affordable these days but it was in this country in those days and i just one day i got so fed up with it the fakeness of the sales world i just posted my um irresponsible of me some people say but i posted my keys to the flat through the news agent or the real estate agent's door walked out of my sales job and said i'm going to become a, a musician but it wasn't just on a dream. I was I was good at, as mu- at music at that time. So I took it seriously. I went to bass college. I had a bit of money saved and went to bass college and learned how to become a musician. And because of my traumatic, traumatic past, I, I kind of was really triggered quite easily with emotional events and things like that. And I found music like an enormous meditation for me, especially when I was playing with real, real top artists in this country and you were improvising on music at that time. And it, it really was watching that moment unfold bit by bit with other musicians actually tuning in to what we were all doing as a collective. And I, I thought that energy was, was phenomenal. And that really helped me through my trauma. And, I, and when I was a musician, I wasn't really stressed or anxious until it came to the business side. And then when it came to the business side, that it, it was slowly deteriorating because when I was in it, it was it was really rock. It was everything was rock. It was um, Guns and Roses had just started, and and, and uh, bands like that, big rock bands, were coming through. ACDC were coming into like a massive sort of hit across the world, and and I was kind of in that wave of music. And my big break came with Thin Lizzy when I, I played with them to help them with their um, uh, tribute to Phil Lynott who died. So I was the bass player on there. Um, I got into TV and started uh, getting recognised in supermarkets and things like that. But I realised I didn't really want the fame. I didn't want the fame. I just wanted to play the music. But it was it was the corruption within the music business that I found quite jaw dropping. And how at one point in my career I was signed to a label. We were going to have a tour in the UK and in Europe. We, we were lined up to be on Top of the Pops, which was one of the big. Um, yeah, of course music programs at the time yeah we're going to be on that we were going to be on cd uk which was another big program at the time and the whole thing got pulled the night before release and we'd done all this rehearsing beforehand we'd had um quite a big advance to do this so the musical director disappeared with the advance and he I, he ended up driving a harley davidson <laughs> where did he get the money for that i wonder and we got nothing the musicians got nothing and the three girls who were signed um went on to other labels and i just thought what am i doing this for i didn't get paid for those three or four months that i was rehearsing with this band for and it just seemed like these these record labels can drop you uh, uh, on a whim it was a whim i think it was an altercation between uh, one of the girls and an a&r man but i can't really confirm that because again that was a bit of a haze i was still in that traumatic haze of um, my childhood at that point because I was drinking heavily and not really seeing things clearly and, and trying to just have fun I was in that sort of mode of just I just want to have fun with this I don't want to take it too seriously so 
that kind of I kind of went through that and I realized it was all corrupted and that it was going to be a hit because the music was played on one of the top soap operas in this country about three weeks later you actually heard the single on the soap uh, op, on the soap um, program being played in the in a pub in, in in the background so it was destined to be a hit and I realized this is all contrived and all there's no artistry in, in it anymore and then that that feeling developed even further when I got into a rock band of my dreams, really, because it had a lead singer of um, she was like the the uh, a version of Tina Turner and Bon Scott from ACDC. She had that kind of voice. It was like and this we had a brilliant drummer in Dan Thompson from Hawkwind as the rhythm section. But the guitarist was a little bit weak. And then I said the guitarist was a little bit weak and we had this interest from labels and management. And they said it's not melodic. This, the music is not melodic. And, and that's what I was saying as a musician, but they weren't worried about the music. They're more worried about the image, what you look like and what you said on camera. And I thought, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is all fake. And, and it's just all, it's all plastic. It's not, it's not about the artistry because it could have, if we'd have got someone like uh, um, Jimmy Page, say from Led Zeppelin in that band, it would have been absolutely awesome, but mm. we didn't, and we didn't change that. So it just seemed to me about being with your buddies and, looking good and looking cool i thought oh no this is not for me so what happened actually is i i decided to try something a little bit different i put on a crystal which i didn't realize the power of crystal at that time it was a, like a red tourmaline crystal and it made me write something in my home studio which was completely a, away from what i've been writing any music or songs or, or, or compositions i've done before and it was more like world music with chanting and things like that and I put this together and played it to my wife and she went, what is that? And I thought, oh my goodness me, is it really that bad? <laughs> she said, no, what is that? That's really good. That's really, that's amazing. And I thought, okay. And it was based on the chakra system, which I'll come to in a minute. Um, but it was based on the seven chakras running up the body, which is more of your energetic body, which is your spiritual body. And this was based on your root chakra because I wanted to come up with music to meditate on your chakras with, uh, but powerful um, music because you get a lot of these twitchy, twitchy burrs and doo -doo -doo -doo, sort of, not that I'm knocking that, but the, that's kind of the genre of the music. This was more sort of ballsy as it were, more rock sort of interpretation of that. So I, I wrote this whole album and I presented it to a record label called New World Music. It was called Anahata. And I got signed, I got a, a, an advance on that and it got released. And as soon as it was released, the day it was released, I looked across the internet and it was being downloaded everywhere for free on like pirate websites and uh, other websites. And I thought, well, what's the point with any of this? Because you get it out there to this certain point and you, you, you just everybody's downloading it for free. And then I, I did a little bit of research on the money side of the music business and it said that you if you're making five thousand dollars a year you're doing well as a musician i thought i'd like to see anybody live off five thousand yeah. dollars a year wow. it's like impossible what, so i realized what's in career... context here about what like year is this relatively oh i'd say about the turn of the millennium about 2020 2021 around this time hmm. it's, that's 20 years ago now my yeah. goodness I'm getting on a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel it, though. I don't feel any change. That's where my spirituality comes in. Yeah. But, yeah, this is what happened about around that time, around the turn of the century. Um, it was starting to fade, and, and, and I was losing my 
I've never lost my passion for music. I still do it now. I still go out and sing for people and I still do like Vedic chants and sound toning and things like that, which is all part of the music thing. I still pick up a guitar and entertain people occasionally. And occasionally I do some covers to, for the elderly people um, when I want some golden oldies. So I still do music. Um, but what happens is my, my wife and I went to a, a mind, body, spirit show. And while I was having, uh, while I was a professional musician, I did have two out-of-body experiences, which were phenomenal. Um, one of them was actually when I was playing with Thin Lizzy and I left my body. And what I saw wasn't actually with my eyes, but I could see. It was like the weirdest feeling. And, I, and now I know why I could see, because they, there's a documentary called Superhuman. And it's, it's actually they blindfold children and try to get them to see with their consciousness before they see with their eyes. So they can't see anything with their eyes. And so they show them colours in front of um, their blindfolds. And the child, once the children start to recognise the colours, then they show them letters. Once they recognise the letters, then they show them words, and then they get them to read. And by the end of this documentary, the work that they've done on these children, they were blindfolding these children, they're playing football, probably better than the English football team around this field. <laughs> and it was, wow. it was like, uh, that's now I, I realised why, when I came out of my body, I could see. It wasn't like through my eyes, it was more peripheral, peripheral vision and I could hear but it wasn't really hearing it was more vibration so I could sense vibration I could sense the band playing down there but I also could sense other spheres around the top of the auditorium around me and what really was the major thing for me was dropping all the emotions all the feelings all the thoughts all the preconceptions everything that I had about life all of that had disappeared I was just this little ball of um, joy or bliss, however you want to put it, just floating in this auditorium. But there was something, I must say, in the back of my mind, saying, I'm doing my first big gig of my life and I should be down there. Why am I up here? I did have that thought, but that was the only thought that, of the material world. The other thoughts were like, wow, this is just, this is beautiful. And were you on any substances or were you just? No, nah, no, nah, wow. I was dead, dead straight. So, so What do you think brought up? Just to... I don't know. I don't know because it happened again about six months later when I was in my flat and I just left my body and I was just looking down at my body breathing and it just happened again. I had the same feeling, same blissful feeling. Uh, there was no noises at the time and I was dead, dead, dead straight then, dead straight. Um, I had a few drinks before the Thin Lizzie gig, but I was dead straight there. I don't know why it came on. I don't know why. Um, I think it to me now is it's like what I, I would call the universe telling me what direction you want to go because we get signals and I feel that we get signals in our life to say you should be doing this you should be doing that and I think this was a signal for me to explore this a little bit more and that's why we started to go to mind body and spirit shows and we went to a mind body spirit show and my wife wanted to get these curly and photographs taken which are like of the aura or the chakras so they, they photograph certain frequencies of the energy around you and I didn't really think too much of this. I thought it was a bit, um, bit uh, jokey or scammy or even um, not really existing. Um, you know, it's like a not, not real. But we, we had these photographs taken anyway. And hers was this beautiful gold and red colours all around her uh, aura. And mine was all these blues and purples, really deep esoteric sort of colours. Um, and she wasn't happy with hers because she wanted to be more like mine, the moody, deep, esoteric colors i said look at yours it's beautiful you're so grounded and you're so earth and look at me i'm flighty all over the place as a musician you know and, and looking for something to do now 
So we walked around the corner and we found this other store stall there that had this photography taken, uh, that took this photography as well. So she decided to have hers taken again. But I just started talking to one of the, what we call a darn master out the front. And I was explaining my musical career, how angry I am at the world, how the world is, is being shaped and being manipulated um, and how the music business has been, has gone through the same process and, and why I was so angry and that my music career was, was fading a little bit and things like that. And she was just sitting there without judgment saying, mm, interesting, mm, just let me talk. Uh, and she said, you should, you should come and take one of our classes. And I'd done martial arts before. I'd, I'd, I'd trained under Taekwondo, got up to black belt in Taekwondo in my, in my early 20s. So I wasn't, um, it, it wasn't difficult for me to go into group classes because I know for a lot of men it is, but it wasn't difficult for me. So we went and signed up for their classes. I started doing three or four of these Qigong classes and I started to realize my stress and anxiety was just disappearing really quickly because I was starting to focus my mind on my body. And after a few years of training, the, um, the trauma started to disappear and the anger started to dissipate. I didn't need to drink so much. I wasn't so angry anymore. And I, I felt a lot more positive about my body. And then I realized there was something to this. There's something deeper to our mind-body connection. And I realize that now when I do my training, especially with the elderly, when we do like simple movements, like pushing a fist and a palm out alternatively, and then you turn that around into your body, how difficult people find it to do it on their body rather than pushing it out into the air. And it's because we're trained to go out with our minds, always trained to go out. And that comes from our earliest education um, systems. We're trained to go out and look out, 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 out. When we come back in, we find it a lot more difficult. And that's why I realized I found it difficult for me to come inside and, and realize what was going on with me. And it took me many, many years to really get that with this practice because they were doing it mainly through tapping the body and focusing on your movements and your bodies and opening up the joints and opening up the chakra system and the meridian lines, uh, which what they called it. And, and it was just like, wow. There's something to this because I felt amazing after each class. And we had like a Korean teacher where the practice came from. We had an English teacher in our center that we went to. And the, the English teacher used to wear you out and make you feel a little bit tired. But every time the Korean teacher took it, we felt amazing. We felt connected with our energy body. And I thought, what is that? Why is it there's, there's a difference there? And it's because they're brought up on that Um, um sort of belief system of the energy being there and they seem to know how to work it in a, in a better way and that's what interested me about the whole thing was you know this um you've been taught this but it's different from the from the english teachers of the korean teacher so i wanted to find what that different difference was so i, I started to think how am i going to do this and of course I, I started doing the workshops the deeper workshops going up to becoming a dharma master eventually and a teacher which again is its own story, but it made me look into the chakra system more deeply. And because I was a musician, I, I realized I wanted to try sound and sound as a healing modality. And Can I just I bought, ask you one thing because yeah. the, the chakras, I always thought it was more from like India and yoga and all that stuff. So do they have the same system in Korea? Much the same is called, they call them the Danjons, the Danjons, um, which is like energy center in China. It's like Dantian's. But it but overlaps, they, it, right? It's, yeah. it's pretty much. Yeah. 
it's the same thing. And when you think about things as energy, this is what blew me away. When you think about it as an energy system, you, you look at the Vedic texts, which come from India, you've got uh, um, Brahma, the creator, uh, the power and the strength of the earth. Brahma is your lower danjon. Uh, you've got Vishnu, uh, which is the energies of the heart, the embracer, which is where your love, empathy, compassion comes on, which is your heart chakra. And you have Vish, uh, Vishnu, uh, no, sorry, um, Brahma, Vishnu, and um, Shiva, the destroyer. It's not the destroyer of worlds, it's the destroyer of your mind, your preconceptions, so that you can um, tap into the higher energies of, of what we're, we're just receivers and transmitters of information. So I realized at this point, all I was doing was re um, forming my body so that I could receive higher energies coming down. They call it Shiva energy, which is like the higher energies. And the Eastern practice calls it the Shakti energies coming up from the earth. Some people call it Kundalini energy or Tantric mm. energy coming up from the earth. It's like that creative energy. And it meets in the middle to open your heart up. And I realized that the, it was the Tao philosophy, which is, comes from Dewey from the Vedic scripts, is like the dualism, the dualistic nature of our reality is is the same as the Vedic scripts, which is actually much the same as the Native American um, way of looking at it, or even the Mayan way of looking at it, which is South America before the Cortes invaded South America, or even the Dogons in Africa and there's ancient tribes in Africa. It's all the same. It's all the, exactly the same. And I went, oh my goodness, our ancestors knew all of this. We don't know it because, partly because I think there's a mechanism in place to not empower us to realize that we can actually change our energy at any point. We don't have to live in fear or we don't have to feel like we're not in abundance. We don't have to have any of this stuff imposed on us. And so there's, there's a certain element of society that keeps you away from this and keeps you having to go through somebody else like a redeemer complex. So you have to, um, the, uh, not that I'm against religions at all, because I think if you go to the core of a religion, it's very powerful, but you, a lot of the religions say you have to go through somebody to find your spirituality. And I couldn't disagree with that more because I think you can do it for yourself. And what our ancestors knew is that we can do that for ourselves, which is what's really important. And that's what's the, 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 the similarities between the chakra system and the um, uh, danjons. Yes, there is a, it's the same. It's the same that's energy, cool. the same way of expressing it. Can you what describe I did this, real quick? Can you just before? Can you just describe real quick what the are there? I thought there was seven chakras, or are there three, or what's the seven chakras? Um, three dan. Well, there's seven danjons. They're actually on your palms, in the middle of your palms, uh, which is called the heart chakra, the hands, and the the feet. Um, they're called the yong chung points, yang shim, yong chung, and you have got the three main danjons, which are the three main chakras of your. Um, Body. So you've got your lower danjon, which is your love, empathy, and compassion. It's to do with your one-to-one -one relationships. You have your root chakra below that, which is to do with your earth and your connection with the earth. And if you and where feel is like it, where is it on your body? On your tailbone. Tailbone. So when we tone, if you're toning, if you do toning um, meditations and you're, you're doing a low tone for your root chakra, you want to focus on your tailbone. And it'll start to, if you get good at it, it'll start to resonate, which is <laughs> to me when it first happened you go oh my goodness what is this and then you've got your second chakra which is your lower danjon which is your power it's also where your passion comes from and we get uh, hoodwinked in the west to push our passion into like sexual energy or the, the passion of looking at an idol as a pop star or uh, a celebrity 
Whereas our passion really should be directed to what do you want to do with your life? Because when you ask people, what do you want to do? So, well, I want to be famous or I want, to, I want loads of money. That's not really a passion. That's being fooled by the, the system that we live in. Mm. You're actually going after something that really isn't there because you speak to people who've got loads of money or loads of fame. They're not interested in that. They, they just want, um, they, 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 they're living their passion. So really you need to live your passion. So use that energy to find what you're passionate about and then go and live it. And that's where you get your power from once you start to ignite that lower Dan John, um, which is your second chakra. And you've got the third chakra, which is becoming your self-identity, your self-aware. So you can get self-realization, i.e., why am I? Why am I here? What am I doing here? And that becomes a, a deeper journey in itself, which um, makes us slightly different from the animal kingdom because they have a lot of um, compassion and empathy in the animal kingdom but they don't really, as far as we know, have that self-awareness of questioning everything. And if this gets blocked, that's when you start to really come out as an ego, an egotistical human being, because you're not coming up into your heart and being compassionate and loving to anybody else. So your solar plexus just below your rib cage, obviously your heart is in right in the middle of your chest. And that's your love, your empathy and your compassion. And when that comes negative you become a little bit more narcissistic um self-loving even sociopathic to a certain extent because you're protecting your energies by really being sort of manip manipulative to other people then you come up to your throat chakra which is to do with your confidence and your communication if these two are out and even your lower chakras are out you push you up into the head and even over to your left brain which is what we're seeing a lot in the world today is a lot of people shoved in the left brain. They want everything ordered, which is why we're getting um, in the West, especially we're getting more and more laws being thrown upon us all the time because we're going up into the head, into the left brain, because we want it ordered like that. Whereas if you open up all the chakras, you realize that you are the law and you are this, the sovereign being that you need to be to actually say, well, I wouldn't be doing that anyway. So why are you putting a law there? Yeah. But unfortunately with the masses, we have at the moment is we're going up into this left brain. And that's why part of the throat chakra is to express yourself. And if you can't express yourself in, in a proper manner and it doesn't resonate with you, what somebody else is saying uh, or what you're saying, it doesn't resonate with yourself, I should say, then you've got a real problem with your throat chakra and your heart and throat chakra won't be working in conjunction with each other, which as I say, pushes you up into the head, which is where all the problems start. And then you've got the third eye chakra, which is right in the middle of the head. It's called the pineal gland. It's actually some people right. call it your first eye, which has it has the same rods and cones as your eyes. And it, it's uh, it's your you get such intuition, such vision for life and such wisdom coming through you. And there's been times when I've sat there and spoke for hours about subjects. And then I sit back and think, well, where did that all come from? People go, wow, you're so wise. They're going, it's not, me. it's not me. I don't know where that came from. I had a friend who was a musician who used to read all this, uh, all the Vedic texts, and he, he was um, Jewish um, from birth. And he used to talk to me about all these ph philosophical ideas. And I would wake up the next morning, and then it would just all come flooding out. And he goes, what did you read to get that? I said, I don't know. I just That just came out because we, I was thinking about what you were talking about. I opened myself up, and I just just came out of the body and out of my mouth and when you realize that this when this opens up the upper 
um, Dan John, your, your sixth chakra, you do get this natural wisdom, this vision, this intuition that you can navigate yourself around life a lot easier. And then you, you find life a lot better in, in that respect. And then you've got the seventh chakra right on the top of your head, which is your crown chakra. It's just literally you opening up your energy to the greater picture, the bigger picture that we're just tiny, tiny, tiny little dots in an enormous universe. And that's all we are. But we are, from quantum um, science and quantum experiments, we are connected with everything. Even though we're a tiny little dot, it's like a holographic universe. They did that with them. Protons, wasn't it? I think they did a quantum experiment where they pulled them 12 miles apart and they did, they uh, stimulated one of the protons and this the yeah. other proton yeah. on the other side actually reacted the same time, if not a little bit before. And you go, wow. So we're all connected in that way. And what I found about sound and the science of cymatics was that we're all formed by sound. It was Nikola Tesla who said, wasn't it, if you want to look at the secrets of the universe, Think of sound, frequency, and vibration. And that's where cymatics came in. And that's what my discovery of the chakra system came from, was using tuning forks over the chakras. So when they were underactive, they would go dull when you when you take the tune. And then when it was overactive, it would kind of go up in frequency. So I'd use the tuning fork to go around the chakra, and eventually it would come into um, its own resonance. So you just go... So that chakra would just ring and I'd go up the chakra system like that. And what I found before I gave anybody the diagnosis, I'd ask them what issue they've been going through either that week or that month or whatever. And it would be this, it would reflect in the chakra system problems. So if they're being having, having problems with one-to-one relationships, for instance, the lower chakra would be um, underactive and same with the root. They felt disconnected with everybody. Their root chakra would be disconnected. And that got me realizing all this information is true. And that's what blew my mind. I went, oh, my goodness. Me. <laughs> what do you do with this? And that's when I started using sound and, and, and realizing that I want to do this in an easier manner without all the sound and all that business, which is quite difficult. And it's all, always one to one. To do this on an easier manner, I became a, a professional Qigong instructor. Um, and realize that you can do this through Qigong. You can connect with your energy body through Qigong or any other practice like yoga or deep breathing, things like that. So it's been a fascinating journey for me to go into the, from a rock musician to say, what are you talking about? If I'd have heard me speaking like that to speaking like this and realizing speaking as a rock musician, I was speaking from great ignorance. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, no, that's cool because you went from, you, you've gotten to experience sort of both sides, right? Both ideals. Some people aim their whole life to get to that rock star experience and they want to know what it's like. And here you're being told essentially, hey, you don't have to do that. There's this much more accessible thing that me as a rock star, I chose that more accessible, more natural mm. path. Like don't even bother going up that rock star route. I mean, if it if it happens, right? If you have a successful music career and you're happy and you're enjoying it, why not? But But don't sacrifice your your true soul and your true purpose for it. I 100% agree with that because if you want to do it because of fame or money or to be loved, you won't find it there. You just will not find it there. Um, people will love you for the moment. As soon as you've got a hit record, they'll love you. As soon as that hit record goes, they won't. 
I'm not saying every musician was like that um, because I, I made some tremendous friends from the music business, but most of it, all the people feeding from it, it's like that. And, and to be loved, you have to connect with yourself, to be loved naturally. So if I walk into a room full of strangers, by the end of it, people will give me a hug at the end of our conversations. It's not because I'm special or wonderful or anything like that. It's because I'm connected with myself and I'm, I connect with them heart to heart and I, and I speak my mind and, and speak what I feel in my heart about everything. And uh, if you want love, that's what you need to do is connect with your heart chakra, get really get involved with yourself. Who am I? Why did I react like that? Why shouldn't I be responding properly? Why am I, what's stuck in me that's making me do these things that I don't really want to be doing. And that's the internal journey of what I was talking about earlier, but it's difficult for us to come in rather than go out because we don't, address these problems inside of us we always think it's somebody else or another great example is we have to go to somebody else to heal our problems rather than mm. healing them for ourselves and that, that comes with uh, the enormous uh, subject of food and why food is so, so diverse is because it has our, our medicines in it like, was it socrates or one of them said, uh, let food be thy medicine and thy medicine be thy food. One, one of those great. Yeah, I've heard that before. That. Yeah, it's the food. And that's why they're all different colors. And actually, all the different colors relate to the different colors of the chakras, which are all the different colors of the spectrum. So you're going from red to violet up the top. Um, and it's the same thing. If you if you're say your second chakra is out, eat lots, lots of orange food. Um but also you can go even deeper with that, with the traditional Chinese medicine. If you've got a problem with your lungs, eat white food um, and other things like that. I'm not an expert on that, but you, like bitter foods do certain things. Sweet foods do certain things. Um, salty foods do certain things to the body. It's all related to your body. And you have like not just a chemical reaction in your body, but a, a, an energetic reaction in your body. And we tend to ignore the energetic reaction in the body. And when we eat, we should be refreshed and ready to go. And when I used to eat, oh, my goodness me, I'd have to sit down for like a week <laughs> to get yeah. the meal, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. So what, why is it, and because you said we're being, we're being manipulated, so I want to I go into that a bit deeper. Why, why do you think we're so disconnected? Because you're right. What you're saying in some ways is so, so simple. It's almost unbelievable. I mean, there are some people who, who are already a bit self-aware who might see like, okay, Okay, he's on to something. But if you're like, some people will listen to this and be like, they, it won't even register that this is something that could help them. That yeah. this is something that could apply to their life. How come? How did that happen? What uh, deregulates your sort of internal? How do we become this way where we're so unaware of, let's say, these energy systems, right? That we used to know about. We knew about them in Africa, in Asia, South America. Mm. And now we're not even aware of them at all what what kills it is it so yeah it's the food we eat it's the messaging we get what's what's going on here if you look uh this if you look at the cycles of life it's an enormous question it's an enormous question I need to i'd love to write a book about this but if you look at the cycles of life um in the vedas they call them the yugas like the kali yuga uh, we're in at the moment which is the, the the bottom age which is really easy to see because is we are not quite a rock bottom yet but it we're will do slowly inching there yeah <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you've got the Golden Age, Silver Age, Bronze Age, and the Kali Yuga, the, the Iron Age. And it's all cycles, and it's always different players that come in to these cycles. So we're just going through a cycle. We tend to want to think of time as linear, but it isn't. It's actually cyclical. It goes around and around and around. So you're coming in and playing a part in this cyclical um, thing that happens the same, much the same every time. It's just different players come in and play those energies, which is what Carl Jung's research is all about, is, is, is the deities from the Vedas are energies, like Shiva, the destroyer energy, and um, was it Vishnu, the embracer energy, and Brahma, the creative energy. They're just energies, or they call them demigods, which is just an energy which we don't or cannot perceive because of our tiny, limited uh, perception of this world through our brain. We're trying to perceive things through our brain and many people feel squashed in their body which i do personally because you think i can't get that why can't i get that whereas other people are quite happy to be in their body and they'll just shove anything in their in their mouth thinking oh this is okay everything's okay this is just life and i've never accepted that person as a human being so what's happened is this i think this latest meme that we're in um a meme is basically something that you're bored into that you feel you can't change so this latest meme that we're in is coming to a fruition at, at this point. So most of the things that we've been taught of as human beings is a lie. And that's a really big statement, but it's true. If you, to start off with that, I would say, just look into the Vatican City, the City of London, and the District of Columbia. Each one of those areas in their country is its own sovereign individual state. And then, so you've got uh, Vatican City, he's got nothing to do with Italy or Rome for that matter. It is its own individual state. I was surprised when I spoke to my wife, who used to work at the City of London, when I said, that, Well, did you know the City of London is its own individual state? He goes, Yeah, we all knew that. Yeah, we all knew that. So that was that. And the District of Columbia, which is in Washington, D.C., yeah. is its own individual state. And each of those individual states has its own private central bank, which is the Vatican Bank, the Bank of England, and the Federal Reserve. So they have the issuance of our currency. Our currency should be um, produced from our chances of exchequers, our, our governments, but they're not. They're actually taken over by private central banks. And what they're doing is they're issuing the currency, getting us to work, to, uh, using our energy to pay it back, and then paying the interest back on that money. So that when you come from that position, you realize that that has happened. And what else has happened in our in our society? You, you've got this straw man, which I think is the same in the in the States as, as in England. You've got when you get your credit card bill, it's all in capital letters. So that's your straw man. It's not actually you as a human being. And I, I'm not such an expert in this field, but I saw when I was researching into it, I saw that there was a um act in 1666, I think it was, that said. If you don't claim yourself to be a human being by the age of um, seven, then you are a, you become your straw man and you're declared um, dead. So we have like a straw man system that is not you because you cannot do this under natural law. You have to do this under maritime law. And that's one of the problems that we've had is, especially now in America and the UK, our common law systems are being destroyed by a corporate system. And that's all this is. It's a corporate takeover of humanity. And that's where it's all going horribly wrong. 
And I'm not saying people who are lawyers, solicitors, bankers, politicians, that they're all in on like a big conspiracy. It seems to be where the energy is taking it. So it's, it's, it's just we're going along with it at the moment. But what's the problem is now for the control system, which is why it seems to be um, speeding up in pace, is because more people are stepping back, looking at it and going, actually, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this in my life. And the more of us who actually just turn around and say, this is wrong, we need to be doing something that's right, this will change naturally. You don't have to get up there protesting the streets and do all this kind of stuff of like lobbying your MPs and all this business. It will change, and it is going to change naturally according to our Vedic texts that tell us we're like 70 years away from a golden age. So this is going to happen quite quickly, which is why, I don't know if it's the same in America, but here at the moment they've just put a massive alert out saying we're short of petrol, um, we're short of food, the foods are empty in the supermarkets. People are out mass buying at the moment. It's, it's like mm-hmm. hares jumping out from a, from like a, a, a trap. <laughs> People everywhere. And this is like the control system. It seems like throwing the last dice at everything to try and get us into this position. And people say, oh, that might sound like conspiracy, conspiracy theories and that. No, this has been like an incremental plan that's been going on for many, many years. And it's, yeah. it's very slow, and, 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 but it's speeding up. And it is basically to stop human beings becoming powerful um, creatures, which is what we are, creature, uh, beings. Powerful. And some people say, which I've, I've been looking into recently, that we were genetically modified about 2,000 230,000 years ago or 280,000 years ago by this in Sumeria. And this is like an enormous experiment for like ETs coming onto the planet, which as soon as you say that, people go, you must be off your rocker. So you, you believe in aliens? I'm interested in that. I'm writing that down. For I don't know if I believe in aliens. I know that there are other forces uh, around. Yeah. I've seen um, other entities. I've seen UFOs flying around, whether they're aliens or whether they're humans, I don't know. But there are entities in um that come into this domain from a higher dimension that's that's all in the vedas it's in the bible um you've got the uh, nephilim from the bible where these entities these higher entities came in and bred with women uh the the the, the, the women of the earth it's in the um, it's in the vedas as i say it's in the bible it's all throughout uh, indigenous cultures like the um native american indians call them the star people uh, the Dogons call them the Syrian people. Uh, the Aborigines, again, call them the star people. So they, they say that there was a, an interaction between different ETs, either coming from a higher dimension or a different planet, or even through a, a wormhole like Star Trek and coming in influencing this planet. To me, that there's there's a lot of kudos to that. There's a lot of information that I've researched and looked into this, honestly, really deeply and you go what is that which is why i could never say yeah there's et's around but i i reckon they they probably are but i don't know i've never seen one never met one and i'm more of a gnostic which is what why i'm really more interested in my energy body than the exterior world because our um, ancestors called it the maya the illusory world and therefore you don't know what that really is when you're looking out, but you can really focus on what you what you are inside. But it looks like we've been man- manipulated by extraterrestrials because of our 
chromosomes are chromosome two has been fused together somehow. So it's been, uh, and no other species on this planet has that, um, has that fusing of chromosomes. And no other species seems to have this problem of wrecking your own environment that you live in. No other species seems to do that. Not that I'm aware of, but correct me if I'm wrong, but we have just wrecked this planet completely um, as a species, not individually, but whatever's controlling um, our world affairs is everything is wrecked. It's like the oceans, the there's aluminium now on the top of the Himalayas. Aluminium is a man-made metal. It's wrecked. And who did, who, who's doing that? Why is it because we're a young um, species, 285,000 years old, not developing our consciousness enough to um, deal with the technology we have right now? That, that's a very interesting question because it's like we're like children with nuclear bombs. We're like children with these mobile phones and things like that. With all this amazing technology that we have, we we not seem to be using it consciously for our own development. We seem to be getting pulled away out into the outside exterior world rather than focusing on the world that we live in and, and the world that's around us. So to answer that question, I would say I don't know, but the the um, evidence points to yes, th there's been many, many different ETs visiting this planet and many different ETs still here and still manipulating things from the shadows. I think there's a, a higher calling. If you look at how consciousness works and how the Vedas work, there's a higher calling for more people like myself to go through these experiences. And I'm not saying I'm anything special either to actually pervade this information without not feeling any sense of, Oh, I don't care. You know, I care what you think of me because I don't, it's my, my research is, this is what I, I've found. Please, if you've found any research that is telling me that I'm wrong, I'll look at that and then I, I will move my opinion, especially on the outside world. On the inside world, I think it's very solid. You, you come inside, you work out your chakra system, you, you work out your love, your empathy, your compassion, your higher energies and things like that. I think that's really a solid way of looking at it as a Gnostic. On mm -hmm. the outside world, it's very difficult to work out what is illusion and what is what is not. Yeah. And that's what our ancestors have said. Don't get involved with the Maya. It's, it's the illusory world. If you try, because I tried and I was trying, what got me into like, the conspiracy field was trying to shut the people who are into 9-11 up. So thinking, well, it can't be a conspiracy. <laughs> I did do it. And what I found was, oh, no. I know 9-11 is one of those things where if you really... Uh... If you really go deep into it, you find some stuff that at the very least will make you not be able to say, nah, they're just crazy anymore. At the very least, you'll be like, huh, hmm, maybe. Yeah, there's something to it. And um, I, I mean, I the, 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 like, it just, it defies the laws of physics in so many ways. The, just the, the, like, the never before have buildings burned down like this especially in mm -hmm. one hour doesn't make sense then the little squibs of controlled ex, uh, demolitions you've got like the fact that physically it's impossible for a smaller part like this to f fall on and then i mean have you seen the documentary um it was this italian guy uh 
Mazuko was his last name. It's it's called 9-11, The New Pearl Harbor. It's a five-hour documentary. It goes into every, it's the most complete documentary I've seen. It goes into every single piece and just looks at it through a scientific lens. It's like, you know, it's like a like a science documentary. Essentially. Mm. There's no like, it's not like, oh, and then, you know, the sky had a 666 oh, no. in it. You know, it's not, yeah. it's not like one of those. It's just, it's just like, it's a scientific, like talks with architects and civil engineers and firemen and actual witnesses. Mm. And it just pieces together a narrative that looks at every single piece. And you're like, huh. You know, like, and for anybody who's listening, who's like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? Sure. <laughs> but until you check it out, don't give me shit. Right. That's all. Like, take, yeah. take, my, take my word for it or watch it for yourself. Now you, you, you got to look at this. And what we're getting now in today's world is people. The question was, how is this happening? People are getting so um, they're like stuck in their solar plexus chakra. They're, they're getting so um attached attachment is the word to the little well the tiny bit of knowledge they have and they hold on to that for grim life and no matter what you put in front of them they're not going to change that idea and they'll start wagging their finger at you saying you shouldn't be thinking like this you're stupid you're mad um you're conspiracy theorist you're this you're that you're new age freak or you know and they're holding on to this stuff and it's it's really hurting them now and that's what it's fear yeah and that's what really makes me sad it's because it's hurting them. And I'm thinking, yeah. just let it go. Please just let it go. When you let it go, it's so much easier and better. And life feels more interesting. Um, and, and, but holding on to that stuff is, is dangerous for your health. I see it in the elderly. I do a lot of work with the elderly. I work as a, uh, with a charity called Brighter Living, and I do a lot of Qigong work with the elderly. And the ones that hold on to this stuff, oh, my goodness me, their, bo- their bodies are kind of almost giving up you know they're so tight the ones who got open-minded and the ones who can uh, um, um, are more happier with their life you see the improvements really happening quickly with them so if anything i would say to people let these things go until you've got absolute 100 proof that it's real um, because it's the, it is an illusory world and we are being fed illusions partly um in the background, there are institutions like um, the Tavistock Institute in this country yeah. who do put out propaganda. And you had Edward Bernays over in America with yeah. his book, yeah. Propaganda. Mm-hmm. And you read that book, you, you see, well, there is a, a, a secret government going on in the background and we are manipulating people to become consumers. We are actually talking about this, this last night. And there was a whole generation of people where the middle class of America got extremely rich because they wanted you to buy loads of stuff. So the the people above them started to bring the money in so that they could sit above the top of the society. And it's, it's gone the other way now where they're they're, they're literally yanking the money out of society and creating more and more money where it becomes less and less value. There's is more worthless. And we're going towards like a Weimar Republic type scenario where you, in certain countries you have to take a bucket full of cash to buy a loaf of bread, you know, it's, it's getting that way. So it's been manipulated in that way. And the people will tell you in their books, like David Rockefeller, I think it's page 72 in his memoirs saying, I am sitting up, setting up a, a supernational yeah, sort of yeah. Here, you know government. I'll pull it up because that's the craziest quote. And if we're like, if we're doing this, let's, let's do it all the way. Uh, yeah. Good this man. is one of the most like crazy quotes I have ever seen. And he's uh, one of your countrymen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks to Washington Post and the New York Times. I don't know if this is the quote 
you're referring to, but this is one of the craziest ones. All right, here it is. Go for it. This is a real quote. We are, oh, sorry, pop up. Okay. We're grateful to the Washington Post, the New York Times, Time Magazine, and other great publications whose directors have attended our meetings and respected their promises of discretion for almost 40 years. It would have been impossible for us to develop our plan for the world if we had been subjected to the lights of publicity during those years. But the world is more sophisticated and prepared to march towards a world government. The supranational sovereignty of an intellectual elite and world bankers is surely preferable to the national auto-determination practiced in past centuries. I mean, how crazy is that? There you go. Is that a theory? No, right. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not a theory. No. So, have you seen? Have you seen? Um, money is debt. Yeah, yeah, I've seen all of those. Um, yeah, money also- is debt. I'm trying to get. Uh, I'm trying to get the guy who made the. The I've been talking to the guy who made the documentary, Paul Grignon. I'm trying to Brilliant. get him on the show. Great stuff. Oh, yeah. Good. This is getting this information out there is so so important. This is part of you're saying about where they've been taking us. The whole thing has been a lie. If you even go back as far as Julius Caesar, you probably know this that he was killed because he wanted to turn the, the banking system into uh, a, a system for the people. So the money was created for the people rather than the people who were creating the money. And it goes back many many years and many really? many. He was killed because of that. Yeah, if you look, look deeply into it, as uh, researchers who've looked into that are saying that Julius Caesar, the eyes of Marx, was all about him. Yeah, he was an e- egotistical man. You have to be slightly egotistical to get yourself into the position of being an emperor, of course. <laughs> Just a little he, bit. <laughs> <laughs> he looked at it and he said, uh, no, I want to do this for the people now. And you look at all the people who did that. Um, JFK, JFK was yep. a classic example. Um, I think it was Abraham Lincoln also mm-hmm. uh, at those two. James Garfield also. Yeah. Um, and there's another one. There's, there's, there's quite a few who've done it and they get either assassinated or pushed to the side or, or made to look crazy when they try and just change that one thing. And it's it's not even about the money for them. It's about the power. They just want to be, they, they feel like they're more intelligent for some reason than us and they feel that we we cannot look after ourselves so therefore um what they do is they put on the news all the people who've been completely destroyed by their system now the, all the poor people all the people who have been illeg- um, badly educated and they bring them up and they say well actually we need to look after you whereas i feel if human beings were allowed to be their full capacity which is what i think is coming right now and i'll, I'll go into that what i saw in Korea in a second but if we're allowed to become our full capacity, we don't need a government. We won't need a government. We need someone to uh, look after the overall and overarching affairs of like a bigger community. But I feel if you look at the science and the psychology of a human being, we can get to know, this is looked upon as, as a scientific research, we can get to know about between 150 and 200 people really well. And as soon as it goes past that, it becomes grey and foggy. So mm. our brains are naturally have a capacity to be in a community of about 150 to 200 people. And that's where we should be within our community. And that's where our Western democracy actually came from, was the city of London, where they used to sit on a bench and discuss what they wanted to happen in the city of London many, many hundreds of years ago. And then as soon as London started to grow and you had the the boroughs of Southwark and all the other boroughs of Westminster growing around it, 
and they said they wanted to call this London. The city of London, people said, no, we're going to keep this as our own sovereign independent state because we want to keep our democracy and our self-right to determination. And that's the only reason it stayed as a city of London, and, and therefore it happened. But our democracy has been given away. We don't live in a democracy anymore. Anyone who thinks that is, is foolish. You, you think the same agenda is going to carry on, like the eternal wars in the Middle East, no matter who's in there. When's that been going on since Bush, Obama, was it Trump and now Biden? Eternal wars, and it's, it's like a big money machine, the industrial military complex. And it wasn't it Eisenhower who yeah. warned the American people, don't let them do this, don't let them do this. And, um, and that, I, I'm sorry for what I've done because I've given this country away to the industrial military complex. And I'm thinking, they're telling you, everybody's telling yeah. us that this JFK, has happened. JFK said it too. JFK said uh, he had like a, you can look it up. It's actually harder to find now. It used to be easy to find. But um Joe Rogan plays it in one of his episodes, so it's still there. It's a JFK speech about literally about secret societies. Like it's yeah, not, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's yeah, it's famous, and it's like you can't. How I'm always curious. Like if you don't, if you think like, oh, it's all bullshit. How do you justify like a president of the United States telling you beware? There are secret societies that control. He literally says military, uh, banks, schools. Uh, anything right like the every single major industry that controls it and is pushing towards a specific agenda that is covert you know not mm. about like democracy at all so it's like it, he if they if these people say it you should look into it or or not look into it right but you can't just shut people up for for talking about it no uh, you look at the kennedy boys and then they came from a what you'd call an elite family and i personally think they they worked out what was going on. Um, and then that, that's when they started to push back against it. He released, didn't he? What, was it $500 million um, worth of um, debt-free money, uh, the greenback into the American system? And as soon as he was shot, that was all sucked back out. So he was starting to release the money from the Treasury rather than it coming from the private central banks, um, which is not not a lot of people seem to know about either um but he picked up on something and he, he i think he rebelled against his family i don't know because you don't know what was going on behind the scenes but from his actions he was he was looking to say hey, i'm going to take you on we're going to win then look what happened to him my goodness me and the inter that was that got me with the investigation into his shooting when i was a really young boy and i remember seeing this guy the american guy coming on with a like a white coat and a green board is going, well, a bullet came down here and it kind of bounced off of here and bounced and then took the side of it. I'm going, what are you talking about? And I was looking around at my family going, what are you looking at here? And I was thinking, no way did that do that. No way. And we don't, you know what it is? We don't trust or, or common sense anymore. We're so reliant on expertise. Yeah. That we don't, we don't question it. Like, you know, going back to nine 11, it, it's actually like, it even does, doesn't make sense. If you like start looking at it, like, and just you're like, wait a minute, what? It doesn't make any fucking sense. None of it actually adds up. And no. the, the conspiracy is the official version. Like you, there's, <laughs> yes. there, there's, they haven't been able, you know, they haven't been able to prove it in a 2000 page report. Like the, yeah. I think it's NIST or I forget what it is. It's like, NIST, yeah, NIST. Yeah. National NIST. Institute for Safety and Technology. Yeah. 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 They have been like unable to prove any of their official version. Like we can, 
we have like experts, right, that can describe it in another way that makes sense, that is in accordance with laws of physics. All they're able to do is like, well, this is something that's new and never happened before. Like they cannot explain it at all scientifically. There's, no, there's no. zero basis for anything of what they say. And it's in an official report. And that's what we rely on. Like if anybody looks into it, it actually doesn't make any fucking sense. Nah, not at all whatsoever. And then the, all the evidence, someone had a sense of humor that all the evidence was put onto a slow boat to China. So it just literally traveled around to China and got destroyed. There was, uh, yeah, and, and, but there's other things. There was a, a Native American guy that I was following at the time. He was um, exposing black box as some of the insider trading to make money on it actually happening and predicting that it was going to happen and made money on shorting um, certain airlines. And he, as soon as he started to speak up on the internet, he disappeared like that. It was, he was really getting into some of the nitty gritties of the dirty financial deals that were going on behind the scenes. I mean, there's weird stuff like the SEC, like was in wall street, uh, wall trade center seven. And it like, that whole building collapsed. So like a ton of files disappeared. The Pentagon, the area that was hit was like where there was a huge audit for missing trillion for trillions, trillions of dollars missing from, I think it was $21 trillion missing from the budget and boom, the investigation ended because uh, every piece of evidence was right there. So it's like, it makes so much more more sense than people who (laughs) trained for three months on little Cessnas who then with box cutters, like if you, if you just described it, like, who the fuck takes an airplane with a box cutter? Like that doesn't even make any sense. Beating the the, the best homeland defense in the world to do what they did is ridiculous. And to From fly into cave. such a like the the flight, like most pilots, most pilots will tell you they would be unable to do that. Yeah, I've seen um, airline pilots speaking on documentary about this. There's no way that you could do that, even even with if it. It was autopilot. Um, it wouldn't do that. I, don't, I personally don't think a plane hit the Pentagon. Um, you think because it was I don't a, a think, cruise missile? Well, I don't. I don't believe that titanium can melt within the, the case of what is it, fifty, sixty yards, because of the heat of the impact of a nose of a plane going into a wall. I don't believe and it went that so they, far, and it went so far. It, it like and it left a, a hole on the other side without like that is more so the size of a missile i mean not nothing adds up <laughs> no but these these titanium um engines disappear yeah where the did they go disappeared and then the above that you got paper on photocopies still floating about when there's been so much heat about 50 feet away from it that, that melts titanium the paper's still there yeah no, it, i mean that's me just as not a scientist but just looking at it going hang on a minute there's, there's something really it's, wrong with it it's all, honestly if not for the dramatic loss of human life and the consequences of it it's almost funny like it's like <laughs> it's like it, it really doesn't add up you know what i mean it's it's just like it's it's a funny i mean it's not so funny but you know it is funny no because <laughs> you go oh my and you it's go, better to yeah. laugh about it anyway because otherwise it's just you know it's everything. I, I laugh about all of it now uh, um, to the corruption of today with people doubling their monies on um, pharmaceutical products oh, yeah. and vaccines and things like that. You, you, you see it now and you go, oh, here we go. What's, what, what's next? You know, what, what, where, where's the corruption coming next? And when you look at the world, you, you can almost start to predict it that it's going to be the climate change thing now. And I said, to my wife the other day, I said, if we really wanted to clean up the planet, 
there's two enormous pools of plastic in the um, Atlantic and the Pacific Oceans right in the middle, and it's killing so much wildlife. Why don't we take just a tiny little bit of the money they made out of the vaccines and get a fleet of ships together, gather up all that pollution and all that mess, and then, and then we'll find something to do with it once we've cleaned it up? How easy would that be? To plan. I mean, I could probably plan it. We could plan it together if you wanted. <laughs> uh, we could do it. We could get the the boats together. We could get the money and we could do it. So so is that real, though? Because I heard that the garbage patch was ended up being kind of disproven. See, even that, right? I, I, don't I, don't I, don't I don't know. I don't know. But it's just know. like, that's that's the crazy world we live in. We hear about <laughs> yeah. so much shit that like, I don't even know if the garbage patch is real because some... Nah. Some guys said it ended up being fake, and now I don't. I have I didn't follow th- through with the story. Ah. But it's just that's why you're, you're so right. We need to focus more on ourselves and yeah. our. And my dad. My dad always said this. My dad said, "Hey, before you help out anybody else, help yourself out. Once you've helped yourself out, help out your family. Once you've helped out your family, help out your village. Once you've helped out your village, help out your city. Then the country, and then finally the world. Right. And the problem is like we start at the world. We're all these." world citizens there's world sit i've never heard this before they keep having now since the pandemic the world citizen festival it's like this traveling music festival where all the biggest artists play it's just this brainwashing to basically get you as far away as possible from the individual and the things you can control and feel empowered about and actually be powerful enough to then spread the love even further and further and see where it takes you it's about Mm -hmm. diluting yourself so much into this little thing called the world that you actually are insignificant and you can't do shit about anything. Mm. But it's what you're doing there as well. You're doing with your body language there. You're, you see, you're, you're getting smaller rather than sitting in your power. That's what it does. That's, that's what the Maya does. That's what whoever's behind the force behind all of this. That's what it does. And that's the energy. They call it the energy of Kali. Um, which is a deceiver, uh, and they just want to feed off of fear, and they want to feed off of you being scared and frightened to live and, and actually speak your peace. So therefore, there's the, like energy vampires. The the ancient people uh, called the Gnostics and the Essenes. They called them the Archons, which is what David Icke is kind of all about, is like mm-hmm. the, this reptilian type energy. And yeah, there's something to something feeding off negative energy, and, and like there's something feeding. From the or, or um, amplifying the positive energy, so you got this battle going inside of you. And the thing is, I mentioned the Kali Yuga earlier. The battle is inside of us right now. In in other times, the battle is further apart. But right now, right here in this world, the battle is inside of us, and we need to focus on the inside of us to clean, like you say, clean up the mess inside of us. Then share yourself with your family, and then go out rather than going out and coming back in, because once you come back in, you'll be so lost, you won't find anything there, and there'll be nothing, you'll be useless to everybody. And that's what's happening in the world today. When you, when I look at the technology around me, I'm thinking, how much could I fix of this? If this all went wrong, how much could I fix of this? And how much would I be reliant on other people? And I'm not saying I'm responsible for it, but when I was around my nephew's um, house one Christmas, I did the same thing. I pointed out it was a VCR at the time. And I said, uh, if that went wrong, could you fix that? He said, no, I've no, no idea to fix that. I said, also, if, if like the food supply stopped, would you be able to grow food out in the back garden? He said, no, no, I wouldn't be able to do that. And then he got interested with his father growing food in the back garden. And I'm not saying that I did this, but he became like an engineer. So he built things. He built mechanical things. He learned how 
to get the nuts and bolts of the mechanical stuff in front of us, like the technology, so that he could fix it. And he did learn how to fix it. And that is useful. Whereas uh, all these people who go to university and learning all this other stuff is not useful um, unless you're going to use it in a positive way. And in this country, I don't know about in America, but in this country, when people are hiring uh, people for casual staff and things like that, they won't go near university graduates because they haven't got any common sense. They can't do anything. They literally cram their left brain full of garbage and they just regurgitate it onto a piece of paper and therefore they pass an exam and therefore they can go um, and do whatever they want in that field. Whereas people won't touch them now in this country. Because thinking, well, they call them overeducated. I would say they've lost all their common sense because they've gone through the system and been broken down. And I thought it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing to fill your left brain with knowledge and learn all this stuff. But if you throw common sense out the window while you're doing it and yourself out the window and you lose yourself to that information like we were talking earlier about being attached to your ego, um, that's dangerous because you get lost in this whole illusory world that we live in. And that's why I do love doing what I do is because you it brings you back and you go, oh, you know, it's not bad at the moment actually in this room. I'm enjoying this conversation. <laughs> you know, it's good. Whereas you get sucked into this illusory world, you go, oh, God, what's going to happen next? And what they say in the Vedas that we, we're moving into a 10,000-year golden age and why it's important to really sort your internal world out because when this 10,000-year age ends, and we, we, we kind of started off, this is going into a really bad position. After the 10,000 years ends of this golden age, it's going to drop further into the Kali Yuga where there will be no way out. You, you're going to, this is going to get really, really, really bad. And that's what they're predicting. Um, but that, I mean, that's way <laughs> 10,000 years for our short lives. There's way in the future. But it's interesting to say this is a transitional period that we're actually going through. We're moving into a golden age, which is why everything's coming to the surface and why 20 years ago, we wouldn't have been able to have this conversation, um, possibly, uh, and have anybody listen to it and give it any credibility mm. or credence. You know, it, it, that is changing very quickly now. That's interesting. That's the first time I heard. And now I, I also kind of get your point, because I, I usually say, like, well, 20 years ago, you could say what you wanted. And maybe you could say what you wanted. And this is where the nuance is. Maybe you could say where, what you wanted, right? There weren't all these powers of censorship, but nobody would take you seriously. Now, you can't say what you want because people censor you, but a lot more people take you seriously. So at the end of the day, what the only thing that's changed is now because the consciousness has grown, maybe, you know, the powers that be are more scared of it and are trying to shut it down. But in some ways, maybe we have, we have grown and we're actually more powerful than we think. So you might be right, because I do agree that more people are awake, especially now with COVID and stuff. I mean, the conversations I'm having with people around me, I couldn't have dreamed them up five years ago. No, no. No, that's very true. So it is changing. Consciousness is rising. It all looks good, but we got to make it good. We got to make it good, not only for just for ourselves, but for each of us as well. And keep opening up the conversation, keep opening up the dialogue, keep listening, keep opening your mind, keep pushing yourself out there and, and researching. It, you're right. It's so hard to research. When I first started getting into it a few, quite a few years ago, it was easy. You could Google things and it yeah. would come up. Now you've got to really sift through loads and loads of rubbish to get to any nuggets of decent information yeah you have um, like either you have either like you know 
the like fact check, fact check, fact check, fact check. Okay, so you got to get through those first five. And you read them, by the way, and you're like, wow, these are actually making me think it even more. But <laughs> anyway, yeah. then you read, then you read like, and then you have like really shit quality information that's like what you're looking for, but it's so poorly done. You're like, oh, I guess the fact checkers are right. And then finally, if you, the thing is, if you know where to look, then you're like, oh, okay. And then you can look at primary source documents like Operation, shit, what, what is it called? The Cuban one. Uh, operation northwoods i think it's called yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. see yeah. that's that you can find that on the georgia uh georgia or maybe george washington university or something it's like it's up there you can find it it's an operation where we basically plan to hijack planes to justify a war with cuba like <laughs> the, in the 60s uh, was you know? yeah and there's um operation popeye uh in, in vietnam have you seen that one where they used weather modification to slow down and um, disintegrate the land around the North Vietnamese troops. So they were using weather modification back then in Operation Popeye. Um, and Operation Paperclip, when they took all the Nazis uh, from yeah. Germany and put them in America, and they were still really horrendous Nazi sort of high up ranking officers who were working in America freely. It's like, what is going on with this world? You go, <laughs> yeah. And these What'd are all you... declassified, you know, that's yeah, like, you, you can, can look it up now. So yeah. yeah. No, Incredible it's stuff. It's yeah. all, um, it's all out there if you want to find it, but you have to look a little bit harder now. Um, but like I say, the easiest journey is for you to go inside. And what I was going to say was um, when I was in Korea, um, the guy, uh, Ilchi Lee, who's who I, I did uh, my brain education training with, he set up this thing called the, the Benjamin School, which is from Benjamin Franklin, where mm. he wants kids to uh, find their passion and go for it. So he, a, a quick story, he, he would get them in a room and say, what do you want to do? And they'll go, oh, I don't know, we'll, we'll play. You know, and they, so they're playing. These are like 11 to 16-year-old kids. And then one of them comes up one day and says, well, let's all cycle to, Korea, uh, to Seoul, which is like a 20-mile there and back cycle right so they go and they get the bikes out and they get them all to do that and they go what do you want to do today then they say, well, we don't want to do that again that was too much hard work i want to learn how to cook so they get a top chef in and they get him cooking and learning how to cook and, and do all this stuff um and then 15 years later he's a head chef in seoul and he's living his passion he's living his dreams making his money and he's really happy and another guy wanted to be a mechanic and the same story happened with him another one wanted to do something else and something else and he was working out, not getting them to go through this exam system, but getting them to learn the skills that actually made them go and do their jobs in, in a really good manner with a heart. So he's open. So they're open to all the people that they're working with. And they're not really the boss. They're more the facilitators of getting this together. And I loved that. I loved hearing about that. And when I saw the kids going through that Benjamin school when I was in Korea with our Qigong competition, I was blown away by them. I thought they were just... They were bright, healthy, energetic. Eyes were really crystal clear. And they looked amazing. They could speak English just as well as they could speak Korean. Not I'm saying that that's the most important thing, but it was just that intelligence from kids of like seven, eight, nine, ten. They were walking on their hands, fit as anything. I just thought, wow, this is incredible. And this is the consciousness that's coming into the planet that our human ancestors, if you think about it, the history of England, when, uh, like in the days of Howard the Great, say, for instance, he would be marching his um, armies up and down England to try and 
stop the uh, the Scottish invading, then the French invading, and they'd walk up and down, and then they'd, they'd have a battle after walking like six hundred miles. You, you you get a human being to walk six hundred miles a day, they'd, they'd need to sleep for a week. <laughs> <laughs> So we're we're not using our full potential as bodies, which maybe that is part of the evolving process. I don't know. That could be. So you can't knock us for for not using our body as much as we could. But there's something to that being strong as a human being, um, having a proper body um, that you can. It's all connected, as you said. It's yeah. Yeah, and they're, they're dumbing us down in that respect as well, getting us to sit in front of screens all day and, and not really move our bodies or move around or be face-to-face with each other because that's when your energy starts to intermingle, and that's that's so important. That is so important, more than any we realise, I think. Because, you know, when you meet someone and you've got that resonance with them and you go, oh, I don't like this, mm-hmm. that's your natural intuition, your natural feeling of your energy field coming out and, and not... Um, and not really resonating with that energy field because there's something wrong there. And that's, that's uh, important. And what you don't get that with a screen. You don't get that with yeah. them, unfortunately. You get, you get a resonance, but you don't get that same resonance. So what no, do you all- say just to, uh, just to finish off on this thought and, you know, kind of for the people who listened and who don't think what you're saying is completely crazy, but at the same time, they're like, Eh, maybe I'm comfortable in the way that I live, or I'm full of fear, or I'm not self-aware enough to begin. Like, what what do you tell these people who kind of want, who see the value in this conversation we just had, but feel at the same time maybe lost or just there's some that they're not ready. What do you tell them? So start with deep breathing, especially with fear. Deep breathing. Because if you're in fear all the time, that means you're stuck in your sympathetic nervous state. And when you deep breathe, it's scientifically proven, and you push out your belly like a baby breeze, a baby breeze naturally, and then you bring it back in naturally without forcing it, you're, you're filling up your lungs. And as soon as you get your breath down to four breaths per minute, which I do with box breathing, you come into the parasympathetic nervous state. And therefore, you start to connect more with your um, your healing um, and your your safety feeling. And that will get you out of the sympathetic nervous state, which will get you out of fear, get you out of all this um, introspect or introspective sort of feelings of like, well, what's the point of all of this? Because you're more connected with your body and your body has natural signals in there, like your sense of survival, your sense of worth, your sense is all naturally in there. And when you're in in fear, what happens is your energy body contracts into your physical body. So therefore, you become more materialistic. When you get into deep breathing, which is one of the first things I teach from a coach, get into deep breathing, and then therefore your energy body will start to expand again. And then you'll start to feel the true sense of your being. But if you stay in that fear, it will contract and you become more materialistic, which is why people want to get more money in their bank account, more bigger houses, bigger cars. It's because they're more into the material world. They've got more invested in it. Whereas if you're breathing, I'd say deep breathing, always go deep breathing, which is the easiest thing to say. But try, you just try, finish this interview, just try and sit there and focus on your breathing for five minutes and see how busy your mind gets and see how, how much your mind is against you. 
might say, why are you doing this, you stupid idiot? What's the matter with you? Why, why bother with trying to do this? Who is that idiot anyway? You, you get all these thoughts going through your head. And that's all part of the condition that you've been through. And that's everything that you need to break down. And once you realize you can observe your thoughts and you realize actually your thoughts aren't you, there you go. You're starting to step in the right direction. You start to move back. You can observe this, which is what you are. You're just an observer of this experience. And then you'll see world in a completely different way. And then you realize it's just an experience. Your thoughts are transient. Your emotions are transient. The way that you feel is transient your upsets and your happiness and your joy, your joy actually is you, your, your love in, inside of all of this, which is what I found. But deep breathing to answer your question is the first thing to really get yourself involved with. And that means you're going into meditation anyway, because deep breathing is, is, is one of the easiest ways to meditate. So you're going into yourself. So if you can get into that state with deep breathing, um, I've got some uh, guided breathing on my YouTube channel. You can find that and use that. It's quite easy. But again, you're going to get this resistance to it going, oh, why am I doing this? Well, it's getting past that resistance is, is resistance is part of the training of yourself to get yourself more empowered. Um, because once you break past those thoughts, which is what I had to do with my training, and then you realize, great, I, I don't have to do anything for five minutes, just this. Then I enjoy it. I sit there and I really enjoy it. You know, oh, oh, lovely. I don't have to think about anything. I don't have to do anything. And then it becomes a pleasure rather than a chore or having to think about what you're doing um, with, with, with your time. You actually just focus on that. So deep breathing will bring answers into you anyway. You'll, you'll start to realize, yeah, I'm, a, I'm, I'm really agitated at the moment. Why am I agitated? And then you'll start to ask questions of why your mind keeps jumping out. Because everything moves when we talk about sound and, and the nature of our reality, everything is moving. So your mind is naturally wanting to move and you can actually silence it and bring it down into your heart. So you, you hear your mind in your heart. And, and I remember when I first did that, it was a very unusual feeling. So your head is completely clear and you can get there, but you've got to start at the beginning, which is deep breathing and then breaking past all those thoughts that keep popping in. So that's what I would say always. It sounds too simple to be true like all of this but it is it's that's all it is just deep breathing down into your lower abdomen try and do it for five minutes at least every day and then see where that takes you and, and to me it took me into this position now of learning all about the chakras sound um music researching conspiracies researching what's wrong with this world how it's going to be put right and all this kind of stuff that's where it led me just by starting to breathe deeply into my what we call our lower dan john and that's when your life opens up and you think, wow, this is interesting, rather than just getting up, going to work, going to bed, going to sleep, getting up, going to work, going to bed, going to sleep. You don't want to live a life like that. Nobody wants yeah. a life like that. You want, you want to be, and this, whether you're male or female, express being a man, express being a female, a, a woman. Don't be shy of doing that either because men are being destroyed and women are being destroyed in, in, in this meme that we live in. So they're trying to get the women like the men and the men like the women. And it's like, no, you're a man and you're a woman. And both of them have a power. And uh, that's important. And you'll get all of that, honestly, through deep breathing. So that's what I would suggest. And you can. You, it's, all, it's all free on my YouTube channel. You can pick all of that up. So Yeah, I was going to ask you. So last, last question, Where's the, um, where, where can people learn more about you and have access to you know, your, your wisdom and, your, and your, your breathing videos and all of that? 
Breathing videos all on YouTube. I also do Kigong classes, which is the Korean version of it. Um, I do a coaching. Um, I do coaching, one-to-one coaching. If anyone's interested in working with me on a deeper level with, through the chakra system, um, which is at peterpaulparker.com. If you want to learn Qigong online, which is easy, is um, is peterpaulparker.co.uk, and you can go through the links and you'll you'll come to the Bright Beings Academy, which is where I do online coaching and um, with Qigong and group calls and also other meditation and food. Um, courses I've got on there that are included in the membership. So peterpaulparker.com is uh, Peter Paul Parker is the thing to Google and you'll find all these different things on, on my different websites. So um, it's not that complicated. It just sounds it. But Peter <laughs> Paul Parker, um, if you just Google that, don't forget to put the pool in. Otherwise, you'll get this funny man in the blue and red suit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be looking up Spider-Man. But maybe you do. Maybe you do. <laughs> maybe you do. All right. So, yeah, well... that's me. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. And for more conversations like this, please follow and subscribe. Consider leaving a like and sh- uh, sharing to help me grow my platform. And follow me on Twitter and Instagram with the account name, The AJ Podcast. Peter, it's been awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, really an awesome conversation. Thank you very much. No, I feel the same. So we'll speak again at some point. All right, that's a wrap. Nice that's one. Good. good stuff. Good stuff.